Hello, Australia. Welcome to the Layback Podcast. It's episode number four, and I filmed this one, so you can head over to YouTube and find it there. If you're having trouble finding it, head over to thelayback.com and you'll find some links where you can get to it. The Tokyo 2020 Games are coming up fast, and in this episode, I interview Olympic hopeful Lucy Sterling. She's one of Australia's top competition climbers and currently Oceanic lead champion. Lucy is from Brisbane, Queensland, and she's been climbing since she was 13. She quickly found success in competition climbing, taking her to multiple youth world lead championships. In 2014, Lucy became Australian Open lead champion and in 2017, Australian bouldering champion. On the international scene, Lucy represented Australia at the World Games in Poland in 2017 and has competed at multiple Open World Cups. Lucy was down here in Victoria to train for speed climbing about a month ago and we sat down to talk about her climbing life and the path ahead of her to get to Tokyo in 2020. We cover Lucy's progress through climbing and the successive challenges she's faced throughout her competition climbing career. We get into how she trains, traveling for comps, outdoor climbing, and those other non-climbing things that we have in life. Let's get into it. Let's let's get off. All right. What I want to what I want to know is where were you when you first found out that the that climbing was going to be in the Olympics? Um, well, I don't remember exactly when I knew it was going to be in the Olympics. I remember the time when we were all thinking that it would be, and it was a prospect to be in the Olympics. And, um, I remember talking to the family I was staying with at the time and they were like, if you go to the Olympics, you have, uh, if the Olympics happen, you have to go. And I was like, yeah, this is something I really want to do. And when it was decided that it was a part of um, part of the inter- invitational sports, I was like, okay, this is a goal that I can – it's a very um, possible thing that I can do. It was pretty tr- then pretty immediately obvious that you like kind of wanted to do it or did, did was it a decision that you had to grapple over at all or was it like, no, that's – I'm going. Well – I've always wanted to compete at the highest level in Mm. my chosen sport and climbing is, um, you know, I love it. And I've been to sort of the World Games and that was was a big moment for me. I was really excited because I was one of 12 athletes, you know, competing Mm. with these amazing people and it's like who wouldn't want to compete at the highest level in the sport it's really exciting and it's a huge new challenge even just the journey getting there Mm. so yeah and what's the journey for you like what does it look like how do you qualify for 2020 um it's quite the journey you've got to there's three different uh, ways of getting in Mm -hmm. there's uh there's a qualifying event in toulouse Mm -hmm. and i think i'm pretty sure you have to qualify through the world championships this coming year i mean this year in tokyo to get into the toulouse qualifying event and then each continental championship is also another qualifying event so uh for australians and ocean oceanic uh climbers it 
our oceanic event would be the the best um, pathway to the Olympics. Okay, because yeah. they get if I if I understand correctly, they get to uh, one person from male and female um, competitors or, or the winner, I guess, of the oceanic. Yeah, so one male and one female from the continental championships allowed to go. Unless someone does really well at the Toulouse or in the world championships, then then two can go. So the winner of Oceana and yeah. also whoever does really well at Toulouse. Okay. Um, When's Toulouse? Do you know when is I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> is it next year or is I mean, because the Olympics are next year now, if you think yeah. about it, right? Like, it's only, we're only 18 months away. Yeah, it's very close. So the national, the Australian nationals will be um, the qualifying event for Oceania mm-hmm. and then Oceania will be the qualifying event for the Olympics and um, the Oceanic Championships will be in early 2020. Okay. So it's all very close to the Olympic Games, which is... Generally what they do now, they make it closer and closer to the event to make sure that the athletes are um, the best athletes that they could send over, I Okay. Think. Yeah. So th- whoever does get in won't have a lot of time between winning or, or knowing that they're going to the Olympics and actually going. It might be, what, four months? Yeah. Yep. Okay. But in a way, everyone that's trying to get to the Olympics has to assume they're going to actually make it. It's you just have to have that confidence. I think mm-hmm. you've got to assume you're going, and then if you don't go, then that's a that's it. Well, no, <laughs> but yeah, you've got to start with the end goal in mind and work backwards. For sure, I think <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay, so I, all right, let's get back to the beginning. You're originally from Queensland. I mean, how did how did you discover climbing up there? Uh, well, I grew up uh, doing mountain biking and gymnastics and then when I decided gymnastics wasn't my thing there was a climbing wall at the gymnasium that I was uh, training at in the school that I went to okay and I've often decided that I wanted to go climbing on that wall instead of to training at gymnastics and so you were like there for gymnastics training and getting distracted by the climbing wall totally yeah 100 percent. or i would just not turn up to training at gymnastics and be climbing on the wall hoping that i'd get away with it and then my coach would be like uh you were climbing when (laughs) you were supposed to be training and i was like well sorry (laughs) did did you know what you were doing on the wall i mean was it did they have specific problems laid out or were you just kind of like like messing around it was, it's just like this, no, it's a climbing wall that um, they have at the school. They have climbing mm. sessions. So it was actually an organized thing at the school. Like they did climbing. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like, um, co- it was like a co-curricular sport that you could go and do after school. And that was when I was supposed to be gym- <laughs> chaining gymnastics. And I think I just, in that, that moment, I discovered that, you know, I really enjoyed climbing and it was, it was something that I would really love doing mm. as a, po- I, I did like gymnastics, but I found it hard to mm. fit in a little bit. Um, and was it? Yeah, I just I didn't enjoy gymnastics as much as I enjoyed climbing. Yeah. And it wasn't artistic gymnastics is very much um I always wanted to be a male gymnast. 
Okay. Okay. At that time, because yep. you didn't have to do the, you know, the airy fairy, you know, poses yeah. between the exercises. I wanted to be the athlete that does the tumbling and the bar, but the cool without, stuff. The cool <laughs> stuff without the like fairy stuff. And do you think you saw that that opportunity in climbing or? Um, not really. Um, I think I just. I got sick of gym and then I went to climbing and loved it. My, um, I went to my father who was actually a um, Australian, he was part of the Australian gymnastics team mm. and he competed at the Commonwealth Games. So I was, I felt, I put a bit of self-pressure on and was thought I had to live up to him. But he never put the pressure on me, but I was like, Dad, I want to quit gym and he was actually really relieved (laughs) which is quite the shock to me but um yeah I think yeah it was a good transition he took you to a climbing gym and it was yeah so then I went so there was a school climbing wall that Mm -hmm. I started on and then Mm. um I wanted something more because it was it's a small wall but it it was, you know, a good start. Did it have ropes on it? Yeah, maybe we need yeah. to flesh out of what this actual school climbing wall would Because I'm imagining it just being this dinky little wall with old <laughs> holds in the corner. No, 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 it was like a tall wall in like mm. a basketball stadium. And the funny thing is, there's a story behind this. My dad, who um, he's an architect, and he designed the whole stadium, um, the whole, st- the whole uh, gymnasium. Gymnasium, yeah. Uh, before I was born and asked and opted for them to put in a climbing wall before, you know, before I was even thought of. And sure enough, it was what introduced me to climb, to climbing, which is, you know, my life now. So that's cool. Yeah. It's like a little, little, you know, moment in time where it could have gone one way or the other. Yeah. But I'm probably sure I would have found climbing anyway, but yeah, um, we went, then down to the local climbing gym, uh, rock sports in the valley, mm-hmm. and there was the junior squad, which I had to wait a couple of months before I was old enough to join. But once I could, I was there like three times a week um, when I was twelve or thirteen, and then there for the next five years, and then. So how how did you end up participating in your first competition? Was it just part of that youth squad? Yeah, it was, to be honest, competitions in sport is something I grew up with. And it, mm. so it was just seemed logical. Yeah. That was the next day. It sort of is a way of, you know, setting goals and challenges for me. And I've always loved competing because it's a way of, you know, challenging yourself. And yeah, I grew up doing mountain bike races and gymnastics comps. And so it just seemed logical that we'd try the climbing comps. <laughs> it sounds like you have a competitive drive there. Where, where do you think that comes from? Um, I don't know. <laughs> have you got brothers and sisters or yeah, a lot? My, oh no, my older brother's a yeah. pilot and my okay. sister is a town planner. Okay. But. Um, I never felt really competitive against them at all. Ever. No, you guys like didn't uh, grow up like uh, competing in board games or just made up competitions around well, the house maybe, or anything like but that. Nothing like, no, not not really. I mean, I've always just loved competing against myself. Like I've always done individual sports. I mean, I did soccer at one stage or Oz kick or something, but but I love being able to 
rely on myself and push myself to its limits rather than, um, you know, letting other people down or worrying about that. Yeah. Um, I like setting, you know, pushing myself and discovering my own boundaries. And So as an individual sport, climbing kind of appealed to you, I guess, in that sense. Then. For sure, yeah. yeah. It's okay. very different in the way that you can push yourself in every way shape <laughs> you don't have to really worry is anyone else you know you're yeah. not you're not letting down a team or anything it's kind of you you focus on yourself and yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. fair enough so can you take us through like your early experiences with um competition climbing uh, you got to go to the youth world climbing championships at one stage what was that experience like yeah so i did Three World Youth. I did um, t- uh, one in Youth A and two in the Junior category. Okay. So my first Youth A competition was at Edinburgh in Scotland. Yeah. And it was in 2010, and I was um, also doing high school at the time. So how old were you then? Were you 15, 16, or something? Uh, uh, 12, uh, 18. <laughs> 18, 18, 18, 17 okay. or 18, I think. I don't know where. So, yeah, so juniors is up until you get to a certain age, and then youth is youth day is what 17, 18? Is it a yeah, something like that? I okay. think juniors, um, 18. I think I was even turning 19 okay. in the last year. Okay, yeah. So, first year was in Edinburgh in Scotland, mm-hmm. and then the second year was, um, Oh, where was it? Oh, it was in Austria, in Innsbruck. Oh, Imst, sorry. Imst, okay. Imst in Austria. And then our last one was in Singapore, which was like the hottest and most sweatiest competition I've ever done. It even rained and the competition had to stop because it was so gross. (laughs) Just too much humidity. Well, the humidity was one part, but then it started raining and the wall leaked and then they decided they needed to stop the competition because okay, the walls were too wet <laughs> so at, at edinburgh mm. um that was your it was your first one yeah yeah okay and yeah so my my mum and dad and my brother came along yeah. and my coach came along as well at the time okay. rob Perra. it's from rock sports yeah, yeah from yeah. rock sports yeah. and so i had quite the supportive team and there Bit was of an even, entourage yeah yeah, the, yeah. The, it was more australian team as well there and i remember i was so nervous um going up to it like i remember driving in the car towards towards the gym on the first day of qualifiers and i just my arms were so like like lead they were just shaking and I think the first qualifier was terrible. I was really nervous and didn't. I was pumped before I even got on the wall. Yeah. But I think the second qualifier was a lot better. And I think in all in all, the the whole competition was just a huge eye opener to the level of um, competition and girls my age doing incredible um, climbing at. Um, at that age and it was like I'd never sort of experienced anything like it before. Yeah, like how, how hard are those competition climbs? I mean, can you even grade them or? They can. Um, generally, I can't remember what they grade the youth mm. ones, but now that around 27, 28, 
minimum. Okay. So quite hard. Very hard, especially yeah. to like on site or flash. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. so were they harder in, in the world competition than what they would have been in the local competition? Or? Um, for Australia local competition, definitely. Yeah. Uh, at that time, the route setting was really different. Mm-hmm. So a lot of um, the, the climb is really hard at the start mm-hmm. and with Australia competitions, they like to let you to get at least get to the first clip. And yeah. then it gets harder at that stage. So it's more like a warm awakening to the climb. Yeah. Whereas in World Cups and in even in the World Youth, they have a, a harder start. And it's like a bolder start problem and then it goes into a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. So in the Open World Cup, I think the youth, they were a little bit, usually a little bit less... Um, mean but but in especially in my first open world cup they it was a huge eye-opener because the start of the the climb was like a boulder problem it was just like basically the root setter's brutal way of saying look the people that don't get through the start crux don't belong here and that's just getting rid of that field like you've got the start crux it eases off and then it gets harder generally and um, that's that was hard um, for my first Open World Cup, but yeah, <laughs> I think I got through it, which was lucky. <laughs> Bit of a baptism of fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you you were nervous at that first uh, like international youth. How did you deal with that? Like, how did that progress over time? Um, I think I realized to get better at these competitions, I needed not only to train my strength and Mm. everything, it was more I needed experience at that level. Mm. And a lot of the Europeans, you could see that they just had experience. They they go to these competitions every weekend Mm. and it's like, that just becomes second nature to them. So they're really calm at the event. Yeah. yeah, It's like how I would feel at my local competition. Yeah. They felt just as natural. They had home ground advantage. Yeah. 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 It was like that. So I was like, okay, what I need to do is I need to to go to more of these international competitions and that way I can get better. And that's what you did. And that's what I tried to do. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what I did. Was it challenging to kind of transition from like youth to open competitions? Yeah. I think it was a whole nother ball game as well. Like from Australia comps to youth and then youth to opens was huge as well. It was, um, it was massive the difference and the field as well is so much stronger. It's just like, these are the best people in the world. It's not just the, the best youth. It's the best in the world. And you've got all ages, all shapes and sizes. It's, it's intimidating. Yeah. But, um, so what would be the youngest at, uh, at the open 16, yeah, 16, 16 years of age. And, I think you get some athletes that are really um, that have just come out of all the youth competitions or still competing in the youth competitions, like Yanya Gambre, and she's like winning all the youth, and then she just comes along and like wins all the opens, and you get a few of those. But for me, it was just huge, a big difference from yeah. the youth to the opens as big well. Mental challenge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like you focused on lead climbing first, right? And um, and that was something you kind of progressed out of youth and you went in to start competing for the Australian like lead 
nationals? Yeah, yeah. So becoming Australian lead champion was always a dream of mine. Mm. And I think from, I think the progression of when I started, I did top rope climbing and Mm. lead climbing at all the local competitions. Mm. And then I didn't even know if there was really a open, I mean, a youth bouldering championship it was always lead for me yeah and a lot of people at the gym did do bouldering as well or they focused on bouldering but for me it was just just lead Mm. and that was what i was good at and then there was a couple more boulder like as i years went on there were more boulder comps coming on and and i just tried them out because they looked fun and um and it was climbing so and then I loved it, and the next dream was to become, you know, bold, Australian bowling Australian champion. Bold yeah. Champion. <laughs> well, let, let's let's go back to to the league climbing for a minute. In two thousand and fourteen, um, you you make your way down here to Melbourne um, to compete in the Australian League National Comp, and and you have a head cold. Yeah. So to put this in picture, I've kind of. This is my dream. I've done all the, I've done really well in all the youth um, competitions in Australia, and then my dream is to become Australian lead champion in opens. And um, I've been training really hard for this, like harder than I've ever trained before. And sure enough, the week before I get sick, and I was pretty devastated. But I spent the week in trying to get better, and then before the before I've already booked my flight so I decided I'd go anyway and hoping that I'd feel better for the day of the comp but I really didn't and I remember waking up the day of the comp and being like oh my god I actually don't think I can do this I'm really sick just like head all (laughs) grogged up in your throat it was really bad and I was like whatever I'll just go to the comp and maybe climb and anyway um so I went there and I, and then sure enough like it was a really tough field like Andrea Hart turned up and I was like I've never competed against Andrea it was scary and I was up against really strong competitors and I remember talking to Alex on the phone and I'm like I actually don't think this is going to happen. Like, this is ridiculous to think that I'm even going to, you know, make semifinals, let alone do anything else. And um, he was like, you know, just just do it anyway. Just take it easy and climb and just you've done training. Just compete and you'll be right and see what happens. And anyway, so I slept for most of the time that I was there and did a little bit of warm up and then did my first two qualifier routes and did surprisingly well and not sure if I where I came but um I yeah made it to semi-finals and then I think I slept in isolation for semi-finals and this pile of everybody else's downies trying to make me get better and stay warm in the cold Melbourne weather and then I got on my semifinals route and I think I came second in the qualifying for the finals. So I was like, okay, this is, I'm actually climbing better than I expected. Um, 
hopefully I'll feel better the next day. And I did. Yeah. I felt a lot better for the day of the finals. Because the finals usually on a Sunday, right? Like you do the, yeah. the qualifiers and the semi on the Saturday and then Sunday is... I think so. It's, it's sometimes they do the qualifiers and then the semifinals and finals. And it might have been that. Okay. So I can't exactly remember. But you did have a head cold. Yeah. Yeah, For so, sure. yeah, that's fair yeah, enough. Can't you remember. can't remember like exactly. <laughs> I can't remember at all, but I remember the semifinals route. My throat was, I was just thinking on the route, what am I doing? My throat is screaming at me. And then I focused on the climb. But <laughs> then finals was, um, I don't actually remember the finals route, but I remember doing really well and then coming down. And then because I'd only come second, I think Ku Kumari was after me. And she didn't make it um, as far or made it to the just hole just below me. And I was like, my dream had come true. And it was like, I would, I'd become Australian champion. It was one of the happiest moments, but I was also really sick. And I was like, oh, this is so odd. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool though. It was a bit of a confidence boost to know like that you could still perform really well despite, you know, the, the illness. For sure. I think I was, yeah, it was a huge confidence boost to know that all the training I'd done paid off Mm. despite my illness. Mm. (laughs) Like I must, I think I was improving by the end of it, but yeah, I'd done enough training. (laughs) I was psyched. Getting back to bouldering, you did focus on lead climbing um, first. Um, Bouldering wasn't like a huge thing back like when you first started around 2010? No, not really. I mean, not for me at least. Mm. All the comps were really lead. There were probably only a few boulder comps. There weren't, even in Brisbane, that there weren't really that many bouldering gyms um only recently urban's opened like a whole like three gyms three more so yeah so bouldering wasn't that big for me it was always lead or top rope and then and then i went to one of the bouldering competitions there was an australian climbing festival in katoomba and uh, it was also Australian bouldering nationals and I decided I'd compete and I'd obviously trained for it, but I did a lot better than I expected. And I, I think I placed third. And from then I was, my goal was to get better and better each year and eventually make it to Australian national champion for bouldering. And it was my weakness and I've always wanted to make, um, get better at my weakness so that I can become the best climber I could possibly be. Um, so bouldering was the next step and yeah. (laughs) And so that kind of progressed to, you did a lot, uh, a lot better at bouldering. Yeah. And so from that point I did a lot of lead and a lot of boulder and it was kind of, I was doing both and it was more of a balance and it's almost tipping now more bouldering. <laughs> I think that's just because I've got two bouldering world cups coming up, but definitely most of my training is bouldering yeah. mainly because my fitness for lead is quite good. Mm-hmm. So the training I do for lead climbing only has to be a short period of time before the lead comp. So I do most of my strength building with bouldering. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot stronger doing all the hard moves. And then when it comes closer to the lead season, I'll just do, depending on what comp it is, I'll do maybe a month or 
like even two weeks of just like fitness training with like getting pumped on the wall. Mm. Yeah. But with experience um, at the lead comps and each year it gets easier and easier to train Mm. for or to transition. So I can do um, more bouldering and cut that lead preparation shorter each time after your successes in australia with the winning the australian national lead championships um you get the opportunity to go on and compete internationally on like the world cup circuit yeah so it was it was quite a transition from i i kind of knew it would be it would be a whole new ball game overseas but i would had come from winning a whole lot of competitions and doing really well to um to a whole new field and competing against the best in the world. And it was quite the eye opener because the, not only is the field bigger, but all of the climbs are very different. The holds are different. Everything's different. So the route setting and it, I, it really uh, made me think about how much, like what training I need to do. And not only did I need to get stronger at home, but I needed to be exposed to these competitions more Mm. and I needed to be training on these holds more. Mm. Um, I remember one competition where I fell off because this hold, it was the first time they'd included dual texture and I was like horribly frustrated because I'd come off on this route on a dyno to a a dual text uh, sloper and so... I dynoed to this thing and it was slippery on one side and I didn't realize because I'd never been exposed to that hold before. You'd never seen a I'd jewel. I'd never seen ah. it. And so I grabbed it and slipped off it completely. Oh, that's a bit frustrating. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, other people that knew about the hold knew that they're where the grippy part was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In terms of going overseas internationally, like in the past kind of what say four years, you've progressively just been going out like more and more to these international competitions. Yeah. So the first year um, of my Open World Cups, I did two um, in France, and my parents came along, and it was yeah, it was really cool. Um, it was big experience and. And then I realized I needed to do more. So the next year, I think I went overseas with Campbell Harrison and we went and did two months overseas doing as many of the lead world cups as possible. I think may have done a boulder as well. I'm not sure. Um, And that was really good because for at that stage, I needed as much as I as much experience at these world cups as I could I needed to get used to being at that level and competing on these holds and on this style of route setting and as I do more and more I'm um, changing how I go about my travels and because um, now nowadays I do less competitions back to back because each comp when you go over and do the whole World Cup circuit, it's like you're tapering for each competition, and and you you can't you don't get the chance to get stronger. So you get stronger for the first comp, and then you taper for the next one, and then taper and taper, and then you end up losing a bit of strength by the end. Okay. So for me to reach one of my goals of making semifinals and really stepping up that bar, I think I need to pick and choose my competitions and really train for each one because now I've got the experience I have at 
you know, the mental side of things and mm. the type of holds and the root setting, I know what I'm dealing with, but I can pick and choose rather than needing that experience. So what does training look like for you on a week-to-week basis? Um, so at the moment I do a lot of bouldering training. So my first two World Cups are in China and they're boulder World Cups. So mainly my training at the moment is just bouldering and strength-based activities and also speed climbing stuff because I really need to work on speed climbing. Um And it's actually the speed climbing training, the explosive power is really helping my bouldering training. Okay. So from week to week, my, I do, um, generally on the weekends, I have one rest day and then a bouldering session, which is fun, like a fun, but still hard. And you have a bouldering session on your rest day. No, no, no. So I have one, one day the weekend, I have a rest day and then the second day I'll have whichever day it is I'll have a bowler session and that's usually my fun bowler session I still train hard but it's like on it's fun and it's just bouldering and then about three days a week depending on whether it's a hard week or an easier week I do um, two to three hours of hard bouldering each session and then I also um do strength training after that whether it be like finger strength um like weighted hangs or weighted pull-ups or antagonist exercises Mm -hmm. on my full training days i sometimes do three sessions a day so i hang on three sessions a day yeah (laughs) and like three hours each or no so they're generally the biggest session will be two to three hours Mm -hmm. and then it could be like an hour session or you know an hour and a half or something. Okay. But I go to QAS, a Queensland Academy of Sport, twice a week mm-hmm. and do at the moment we're just focusing our training on explosive power. So I do sprints with them and um lots of jumping and just, you know, powerful stuff. Yeah. And that's twice a week. And then I also train with Frank, he at Urban Climb okay. and he does a lot of other antagonist and also climbing specific strength-based activities and that's uh yeah that's all um amongst the other climbing sessions that i do so (laughs) so how many hours a week does that end up being i haven't really ever counted it okay it'll be around actually i have no idea sorry (laughs) but it's pretty much full-time job Mm. Yeah, full time. So, do, do you work outside of training at all, or do you? Have, yeah, you know? so I work in a casual job in a cafe. It's, okay. it's called Soul Breads. Yeah, and um, I've been there for six years. They keep... You work for Kim Carrigan. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Small yeah. world. Well, they've just changed owners recently. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's been a long, long haul there. I, yeah. I love it though. Mm. It's a great cafe, and they always have me back. After my long, you know, bouts overseas, they're like, yeah. yeah, come back and give me the same shifts. So that's, that's why I've been there for so long. It's just such a lovely environment. And you can work it around the, all the climbing training and everything. For sure. Mm-hmm. And then I also do some um, personal coaching um, at Urban Climb 
Okay. So, yeah. And that helps bring it all together. So, it sounds like maybe every week isn't kind of like that similar or how does it, how does it fit into like a bigger macro cycle for what you're working towards? So, I periodize my training, I work backwards from each competition and say I'd um, easy week, hard week or easy week, medium week, hard week, and kind of alternate it so that I'm getting a rest and then building up and then resting and then building up and resting. Um, Sometimes it's more methodical than others, and sometimes I just have to listen to my body. Um, And over the years, I've really uh, changed my training and my program up a lot. And because I coach myself, and I have for for a very long time, I have had to formulate my training um, from what information is out there and from other sources. And so at the moment I, I got back from Japan last year from a big training stint with a coach and he said um, we did training for like five hours at a time and there would be a lot of rest, but we'd do five hour long sessions and they were intense and they were great, but I couldn't really replicate that when I came back home. It just because I've got, got to balance work and by the end of five hour session, if I'm by myself, it's really hard to put focus into each um, exercise like yeah. after three hours I'm done and I don't want to you know if there's no one there to prod me along I'm like I'm going home I want to eat <laughs> I need to eat food and so at the moment I'm trying something different and I uh, mix up my training and I do three hour session go home eat come back later and then do you know a bit of strength go away and then do maybe QAS later or train on the woody downstairs at Milton with you know the urban crew yeah yeah so you find kind of splitting it up into into two sessions in the day helps you maintain focus a bit better in each one yeah at the moment that's really working well with okay. for me because I can also fit around work and and it's just yeah better <laughs> and so it sounds like um, you've kind of had some coaching here and there yeah, uh, and, and a lot of it's self-directed. Is, is there, so there hasn't been like a constant coach or someone along there the whole way you kind of had to learn as you go. No. Uh, for the first five years, I was coached by Rob Perra at Rock Sports. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, it's just been... I, I went to Sydney actually for a year and was coached by Rob and Carly LeBreton. And they were the Australia team coaches at the time. And so they were really influential in my career as well. And then after that, it was just been because they're in Sydney and I'm in Brisbane, I've just self-coached and with a lot of outside influence and help. So I, you know, um, ask a lot of coaches that have coached me in the past or people, the Australian team coaches at the moment, I ask for help and the internet google (laughs) (laughs) so what what are your um because there's a lot of sources out there like these days right heaps of training information Uh, is there any are there any particular like training philosophies that that you come across that you kind of felt apply to you and worked for you at all yeah there's some like finger strength exercises like weighted hangs and the the specifics of that is just so broad. Like everybody thinks they know exactly what 
is the right thing to do mm. and I'm sure there is a couple that are and it's um, it's just about figuring out what does work for you and mm. I think testing is a really good way of doing that so making sure that you are seeing progress and writing down the you know the numbers mm. of it and if this works and if you're getting better then keep, keep at doing it, it yeah. and if you start to plateau maybe change something yeah and that's really i think it's really important to have a program that's adaptable and yeah because <laughs> when the average person who's maybe climbing outdoors climbing is like a, a, a probably a, a smaller part of their life than it is for yours and they're not trying to build up for competitions imagine they approach it like a little bit differently and their sources on the internet are probably different but you have to pursue kind of um the, the top level stuff right like yeah. because you you can pursue it almost full time so yeah whereas other people like i need to maximize this two hours and you're like well <laughs> i got time and you can just throw it at it yeah yeah i've sort of adapted my lifestyle for climbing and for my training and i think if i was training for a specific route like outdoors then I would replicate it on a woody or something and if I needed to improve my grip strength I'd be really specific about it but for competition climbing you don't know the route you're going to be on and I'm not only training for lead climbing I'm training for bouldering and speed so it's like at the moment it's a bit overwhelming with the amount I need to fit into my training because I have to get more explosive I have to get better at slopers I need more crimp strength and everything and you I think it's important to just um, select two of your biggest weaknesses or a couple of your biggest weaknesses focus on them for a few months see the gains in that and then move on <laughs> and then move on yeah. yeah and you've been here in in melbourne working speed climbing uh, yeah. quite a lot in the last few weeks yeah speed and boulder at the moment at boulder. Yeah. yeah so i've been traveling to melbourne every um fortnight or almost and um focusing on speed and just because the the only wall is in melbourne and there's one in sydney as well but um yeah i've been coming to melbourne and uh, going speed one day and then boulder the next or two days of speed and i've just decided because there's two competitions on this last weekend and this weekend and a speed training camp i decided to come for two weeks and train with ocean campbell and the, the crew yep and it's been awesome i've just sort of let my uh training program uh, just to the side a bit and just um trained with some other people i think that's really important um when you do train with other people to try out their program yeah and it opens your eyes to what they do and might um make you realize some of the things that you're missing out of your program yeah and i think it's a really good exercise in just something different yeah yeah don't get caught up in everything you're doing <laughs> how do you feel about the speed route and its inclusion because i mean you've you've pursued bouldering you've pursued lead and now you've got to add speed into that mix yeah well um it's two sides of it. Like, I don't think anybody that wants to, that wanted to be doing the Olympics really is happy about all three of them being in at once. Um, no one that I've talked to anyway, um, because they're very different sports. 
and speed climbing is like sprinting compared to marathon running compared to chess or something it's like it's like not quite it's yeah it's very different and yeah it'll make the olympics quite interesting when it comes to the competitors and um who's at that level in all three with with training for the speed route do you feel like it takes away from other things though that you'd like because i mean if you're training for one thing you're sacrificing recovery capacity right for for something else yeah i to a degree yeah definitely i um but there's only so much bouldering I can do. <laughs> and given my fingertips at the moment, you can They're really a bit see red that. raw. They're yeah. Red raw. Yeah, at least you um, showed me her fingertips before. They're, they're, they're as, as about as raw as they get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're um, on the last little sliver of skin there, I think. Yes, I've had to tape them, mummify them today to actually get on the speed route. But in a way, I, I'm enjoying speed at the moment because it's like trying out a new sport. And I'm progressing really quickly, which is great, but it's also quite monotonous and it's very different to lead and boulder. So I don't find it as engaging, mm. but I do enjoy it. Yeah. And in a way, it definitely helps my bouldering because I've been doing explosive power and that's one of my weaknesses in bouldering is like dinos. So mm. training for speed, I think is helping in in theory, it's helping my bouldering, so I'm hoping it actually does. <laughs> Speaking of bouldering, one thing I wanted to ask you about was, like, as we watch these uh, competitions more and more, because we can, they're all on the internet yeah. so much these days, right? Um, there appear to be a lot more of these parkour-style bouldering problems. Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> you like it? You're yeah, actually, yeah. Well, to a degree, like yeah. the run and jumps, I get pretty scared at running in a wall. But um, yeah, generally, I'm, I'm getting a bit better, but I, I really enjoy them. They're, you know, big volumes and um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's better than, I think, just general, the one style of burly hard climbing where on you've got small holds small and, holds mm. i think they're really mixing it up and playing with shapes and it's really really like dancing up the wall you see people getting in really awkward positions and it's like an obstacle course yeah yeah <laughs> and how do you train for that then if it's uh, you know because it's, it's not like it doesn't seem strength based or uh, you know so how do you well, make that? Yeah, experience. I think just yeah. like bouldering constantly. And mm. I think you have a huge advantage if you're training on the holds that are in the competition. So another point of going to all the competitions and trying as do, doing as much experience as you can, um, also another um, angle of that is the, the holds mm. is – getting familiar with the holds because if you know a hold and you have to jump to it then you know whether it's going to be a jug or it's going to be dual texture yep. and you're like okay i know what i'm grabbing it's going to be easier <laughs> if i know so do you i mean do, do any competition climbers sit there at night on the internet looking at like kilter grips website like oh what do these holds look definitely like? really it. yeah i do it <laughs> so you looking at the holds on the internet to see like what do they look like yeah well i think um when, yeah, if I don't know a set of holds, generally I kind of look it up and hope that a gym around me has them and then mm. 
liked it even just the comp just being i didn't know a bunch of holds and i was just really excited to train yeah. on them just to get a feel because yeah. yeah. i hate being sprung with new holds at a competition <laughs> yeah that's i can totally understand that yeah. do you think that climbers in australia are maybe at a little bit more of a disadvantage there because we don't get as many international holds it's probably improved in recent years but yeah definitely beforehand i think now we're pumping in a whole lot of new all the new ones we seem to be getting um especially like all the bouldering gyms really like to get in new holds as expensive as they are they're like it's cool (laughs) yeah yeah and it helps you guys when you go overseas and you're actually used to seeing these holds and you're used to climbing on them yeah Yeah, definitely what about like mental capacity for climbing like do you have any you talked about getting as much experience in competitions as you can for that mental aspect are there any other things you do for mental training um, when I was in Japan, they did. They took me through um, meditation. Um, we actually went to a really, really old temple, and I got bitten by a stick by this monk while I was <laughs> sitting in this temple trying to meditate. And if you like, look like you're about to fall asleep, he like whack you with a stick, and it wasn't like light at all. It was hard. But anyway. Sorry, that's not quite what you asked. But yes, I do do a bit of meditation. I'm not as um, strict with it as I should be. But um, I think mental training is something that I'm still working on. And um, generally um, experience is something that's really helping just getting used to comps. and. That's kind of like the best thing you find? Yeah. 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 So, have you had many injuries along the way? Like, um, have you had to deal with any injuries through your uh, competition climbing career? Yeah, um, a couple. I had a couple of bicep tears, nothing serious, but um, yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, I had a cyst in my wrist at one point, and I think it was like progressive overload um, from... You can cause a cyst in your wrist from progressive yeah, overload? I guess sometimes. I'm not mm. quite sure how they come about, but I got one and that was unfortunate. Uh, but it's something that I could climb with. It was, it was still painful, but I could deal with it. Yeah. And so it meant that I didn't deal with it for a while. Yep. And when I eventually did, I got injected with cortisone and, and, mm. and it was took about eight months to heal properly, but mm. I still competed in that time. I think I did my first oceanic competition mm. in New Caledonia, which I won, which, <laughs> which was really cool. But that was, of, of course, after I'd improved a lot from my wrist injury. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple of bicep tears along the way, but nothing that's has taken more than like a couple of months to heal yeah yeah is that a pretty good run by like competition standards for sure yeah i but i'm very cautious and i know my body pretty well and um if something's hurting i back off i don't i'm not but not very stupid about training i if my fingers hurt i stop or give it a week sometimes i mean i like to say I am, but sometimes I get a bit over the top and yeah. I get niggles quite often. Mm. But I see a physio once a week now. I have a new sponsor um, and 
uh, you got Jordan. a physio sponsor? Yeah, physio sponsor, and it's Revive Ashgrove, and okay. they treat me. That I used to go see a physio every now and then because you know, but once I found Julie, she's just yeah, she's amazing. She fixes it straight away, and yeah. I see her once a week, and she's fixes every niggle so that I don't actually get the injury. <laughs> so you're just kind of like, like, like flirting with injury, like at the edge all the time or? Probably. I mean, yeah. I, it's hard to know whether you're on the edge of an injury or not sometimes. Um, but generally Jules will just tell me if I need to back off as well. So recently I've had really sore calves from doing all the jumping and explosive sprints and stuff from speed training. And she basically said, look, you're going to tear your Achilles if you don't back off now. And so she spent the afternoon sticking needles in there and yeah. So I've, I've come close many times, but generally I've got enough support behind me that I can recognize when I've gotten an injury and when it's time to back off. Yeah. Yeah. I read about, um, yeah, another challenge that you took on in, in 2017 on, you wrote about on your blog, you're yeah. pretty open about, um, that you had to I guess, cycle off, um, or you, you chose to cycle off medication, um, for ADHD that you'd been on for yeah. a long time. Yeah. I've been on, I had been on, uh, the medication for ADHD since I was really young, mm. um, and it was it, the medication was never a problem. I, yeah. it, I'm really grateful that I actually had had it. That mum and dad put me on it, and it's got me to where I am today. Um, but I never really came off it at any point in that time. And I think when I talked to my doctor, um, the doctor at the time, he was saying that most people kind of go off it every now and then just to balance it out and I never did I I didn't know it was something I was supposed to do (laughs) but so I was constantly on this medication and it was fine but coming off it was something I'd need to do at that point and in 2017 I realized look if I want to go to the Olympics Japan don't allow medication at all like the the dexamphetamine they don't allow in Japan. And so they, oh, they don't allow it in Japan. No, with no exceptions. So, so, so not even for the Olympics, they wouldn't allow it. No. So I, every year that I compete, my mum to begin with, she would organize it for me and send in, um, the, you know, a prescription and get it approved by ASADA. And, um, it's quite, quite a um thing to arduous process to do each year but um and i'd of course have to take these drugs with me everywhere and if i didn't have them then it was a serious problem um for me like it wasn't a health health like problem but for me it was going to be really hard to get by it was a mental health problem yeah exactly (laughs) well i wasn't gonna die but you know i was gonna feel very out of place yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so uh, i decided it was something that i wanted to get done one day like i wanted to wean off myself off this medication and but um yeah i decided that 
because the Olympics were coming up. Mm. Now was the time to get it done so that I have time to get used to competing without the medication and doing life without the medication. And so I decided in the end of, I think I started in November 2017 and... it was really hard. <laughs> the fir- every time I dropped, I slowly weaned off. So every time I dropped a tablet off, I would. It felt like I had gone cold turkey. Like it was. I went through you know highs and lows, and I'm very tired all the time. Yeah. I was. Um, I think that might have helped my sleeping. <laughs> Actually, I'm able to nap now. Yeah, you're a pro sleeper now. I'm a pro sleeper now, but I was constantly drained yeah. of energy and very I, I was really lucky to have really supportive family mm. and Alex and um everyone was very supportive, um but it was it was hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was got, you know, depressed sometimes and I had to check in with my um my specialist doctor and he said be really careful because some people that you know wean off they can suffer these effects and if you don't yeah it can get worse but okay it was generally just a short period of time that I suffered any any sort of side effects of going off but um yeah it took took the whole year to feel 100 percent I think how did how did it feel going into your first comp after after coming off it was I was putting a lot of pressure on myself as I usually do because of my first comp and I wanted to be able to compete the same as I did on the medication and I didn't want it to define me in a way and um I think it was the Queensland state lead and I did pretty well I think I came second but I was I was really nervous I was more nervous than I should have been for a a, you know a state lead comp at that stage you know yeah. I've been doing international comps for ages so I was but you have been defending your state title as well or? yeah for sure so there's that pressure as well yeah and I think I yeah I was putting a lot of pressure on myself more to be able to keep my mind in a focused state um yeah, for that period of time. <laughs> did you find it like, did you find that hard? Like, how did you do that? Um, did you just have to like train yourself to? I think I developed mecha- mechanisms to deal with um, focus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> when as soon as I start thinking about focusing and trying to focus, then it, usually makes me not focus <laughs> like it like slips out of your hands because yeah, totally you're trying like, to grip it too I hard can't think about yeah. anything because i'm okay. gripping too hard yeah so i try and forget that it's even a problem mm. and because i've developed what the medication has done mm. is actually developed the pathways that would never have um they would have struggled to develop in the first place okay. so that's why the medication was beneficial because mm. once those pathways are in place, then once you come off them, they generally stay. Mm. Sometimes they don't, but mm. I think I've been lucky in fact that they've, uh, most of them have stayed and I have all these ways of coping and, 
Yeah, <laughs> it's easy. And I had the they have a testing thing that I regularly go to yeah. when I was on the medication, and they test you when you're weaning off it as well. Okay. And it was interesting because when I went off the medication, I focused really hard on maintaining my focus on things on certain tasks and it actually meant that my test results in the brain waves and everything mm. were actually better than really? they were on the medication okay. which was really yeah really weird but yeah really cool <laughs> that is cool yeah yeah and i've heard that like um people talk about this idea of like hyper focus with adhd can you like relate to that or do you think it's a bit of a, is it a myth or is it? No, hundred percent real. 100%. Like even as a kid, yeah. um, if you wanted to sit me down and read something that I didn't want, had any interest in, yeah. then there was no hope. I'd get up and do something else. Or like but, trying to convince you to do gymnastics? Yeah. Oh, well, no, I loved gym. <laughs> like it was great at the time. It was, yeah. it was just that, you know, Climbing was more interesting. Sorry yeah. to distract you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but you could you could definitely focus on something. If, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I I remember Mum telling me stories about when I would just I loved drawing. Mm. So she would get this pile of paper like this big mm. and just I I'd just sit there for hours drawing mm. and. Like I definitely had ADHD, but when it came to something I'm interested in, I could focus on it entirely. And that's what I think I do with my climbing as well is okay. that I, I love it and I just give it a hundred percent and that's what I focus on. So you can like pull that focus. You kind of taught yourself to pull that focus to that. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you, are there any other climbers with ADHD? I have actually, since I posted that blog, there's a couple that have reached out to me and they're yeah. like, this is really amazing. Thank you yeah. for releasing this. And it's, yeah. and if you ever have someone, like if you need someone to talk to or if, can I talk to you? And it's it's really cool. There are a lot of people out there. So many kids have it. And yeah. Yeah. How do you maintain balance so that when you're climbing, you're performing well, but it doesn't take over your entire life uh, so I like to do other things on the weekend sometimes on my rest day sometimes I go surfing okay I'm trying to learn how to surf which is interesting I get dumped by the waves a lot but it's it's fun it's just something different yeah. and I think having a balance is very important um, because committing to something this big is really all consuming and it can really mess with your head a bit. Mm. So I think if you've got something else to focus on, that's um, really helpful. A lot of people find they'll talk about studying and competing as a really good balance. And I tried that, but I failed uni. So I was decided I needed a break and to focus on one thing at a time. Um, for me, um, I think work is a really good way of just getting outside of it and just spending time with family and friends and going mountain biking. Sometimes I love mountain biking. I'm very sporty. So yeah. it's generally, do you have a non-sporty hobby at all? Like I like baking Okay. Okay. <laughs> and drawing. I really like painting and, but yeah mostly 
exercise in some form. (laughs) (laughs) No, fair enough. Do you get to travel a lot as well, obviously? Do you find that is... It helps or hinders? I mean, is it a positive thing you get to travel or is it sometimes a bit too much? Um, A bit of both. Like traveling, of course, it's amazing to every year go overseas and see these amazing places. And But a lot of what's beautiful about traveling, you don't generally get to experience when you're competing with the ones you love. Like what I love about traveling is being there with, your best mate or your you know your partner but um it's it makes it hard when you're going over these amazing places and doing really stressful things without that other person um it's a challenge and you get pretty homesick but it's still really fun like you meet other people and you make new friends and so there's ups and downs. It's, yeah. It can be quite hard, but yeah. it's also an incredible experience that I'd never regret. Yeah. So your partner, Alex, like he, does he get to come along with you sometimes to the comps and stuff? Yeah, for sure. He's come yeah. to quite a few. And um, even last year he came to Europe for a little while and that was really awesome. It's really good to have him there um, just as support. Yeah. And mum and dad have come to quite a few before yeah. and it's it's really nice to have them there. Yeah, he yeah. climbs as well, yeah? Yeah, for sure. We met climbing. Yeah. And so after after our competition, well, my competition last year, we went to um, Italy in oh, – we were staying in Italy and then we went climbing in Slovenia. Okay. And that was really cool. What's climbing in Slovenia like? Um, it was really, it was really nice. It was like all climbing in Europe's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we weren't, or we didn't have heaps of time. We had about a week and it was really hot. So where we went, it was just, uh, we were trying to like jump from tree to tree cause it was really exhausting. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think we, we tried to get in early in the morning and then go back um, in the day and then come back at night. Okay. And I think the year before we went to Arco in Italy and we did the same thing. It was quite a hot time of the year, but the climbing in Arco is amazing. And what we'd do is we'd, we'd go out from early morning session somewhere, go, go to a lake. Cause in Arco, there's so many beautiful lakes and then have, a glass of wine by the lake and then have siesta back at home and then go for an evening session it was like ideal that was if i could live life like that it would be pretty good what what about um sponsorship i I look at professional climbers and i think geez that like that must be hard to like throw all of that in as well because sponsorship's never simple you know you've got to produce content for your sponsors photos gotta be on instagram and like all the pro climbers are getting on YouTube these days and they've got their own YouTube channels. Yeah, it's, it's like a job intense. in itself. Yeah. Um, I'm really lucky to have sponsors that are very easy to work with yeah. and they're very friendly and on good terms with them. So they're never overly demanding. They're um, quite helpful with the situation I've got. They're helping me. They're not burdening me with anything. Yeah. It's always... 
um, helping. Yeah. Yeah, they're helping you to try and achieve yeah. your goals. It's just, if, yeah, of yeah. course, I've got to produce content for them, and yeah. but I actually enjoy doing it. Yeah. So I do. So it's a lot not of, arduous, like it no. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do a lot of writing and give it to some of my sponsors and. And photos usually come with it and Instagram's kind of... I At first, Instagram was really hard to actually do because yeah. you're like, oh, I just feel weird putting myself out there and photos of me and content, but you get used to it and it's what people want to see and, and even hearing people say it's like really inspiring mm. just makes you want to do it because you know that you're inspiring somebody and... Mm getting them up a wall or something <laughs> and the and the feedback you get through that it must be like is that motivating as well for sure yeah. yeah it's really nice when you put something up and get lovely feedback or something <laughs> <laughs> so did you go did you just studied after school or was it just straight into climbing um i studied part-time for um as soon as i left school I started exercise science and I loved it. I was really interested in doing it, um, except I had to defer the next part of that year because I was traveling and competing. And I also managed to fail one of my subjects. So I was only doing two subjects in the year. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to take me like 10 years to get through this. Mm. And if I failed a subject, it's ridiculous. So I've decided with, um, for me, it's best to focus on climbing right now because I'm not always going to be young. <laughs> and when when I want to stop competing as much, I think I'll move more into go back to study and um, commit to that and give that my full attention. Yeah, yeah. I, I can I can imagine. You know, one of the things I recall from studying is that uh, when you're not studying, you always feel like you should be. Yeah. And I imagine that's a hard stress for, for a competition climber to have there as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's how I feel about climbing. When I'm not climbing, I feel like I should be. So, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. What, um, how do you stop yourself then like from climbing more when you're not climbing? I mean, because you have to recover. Yeah. Well, fingers for one, skin, <laughs> and just knowing that you need rest. Yeah. Like rest that is something I've discovered over experience that it's just as important as um the climbing so if you don't rest enough you're just gonna start plateauing and then go downhill so um i pull myself back from doing too much and yeah sometimes if i'm having a really good session i'll make the most of that and it could be a really long session, but mm. then the next day I rest. Okay. Otherwise, the, the following session won't be good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do active resting? Do you actively like, like, do you sleep like you train? Like, I'm going to sleep right now and <laughs> I'm going to sleep so well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually. Nowadays I do. Um, for a long time, yeah. most of my life, I haven't been able to sleep during the day. Yeah. It's only at night and I struggle to get to sleep. Whereas now it's like sleep when I can. So I get back from training and generally I'll be very much tired enough to have a nap. So you have like a midday nap before your Arvo session? Yeah. And I have sometimes I have to set a timer, whether it be 10 minutes or like an hour. (laughs) Sometimes I have like a two hour nap in the day and that's a good day. (laughs) How much do you sleep? Like how many hours sleep would you be getting a day? 
at night it's eight hours usually. Yeah. I like to keep that consistent. Yeah. Um, sometimes seven hours if I've got work early or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I don't nap heaps, but if I need to, I will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, you, uh, you climb in, indoors like and on plastic a lot, I guess, through competitions and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with your goals for the future totally makes sense um but you also enjoy climbing outdoors yeah uh and in one interview i i think i watched um you described them as as uh, two different sports i guess i want to know what do you see as being the major differences between the two um i they're they're different they help each other for sure but um i think I just think of outdoor climbing very much as a hobby and I love it and it's something that I could do for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, whereas competition climbing if, is a competitive sport for me and I enjoy bouldering on the weekend sometimes just for fun but it's what I'm challenging myself to do. It's the sport that I'm working towards whereas climbing outdoors is fun and I can challenge myself for sure Mm. and I love projecting routes and stuff but Mm. it's more a hobby than yeah (laughs) so if you've got some spare time you might project or you might go on siding or something Mm. but like you don't have kind of um, longer term goals for like hard red points at all I actually do I think um after in a couple of years, I want to do more outdoor climbing and more um, like red pointing and trying to uh, project routes. Mm. When, yeah, I think after I've had another couple of years of um, competition climbing. Like once the once you've had the focus on the Olympics, it's yeah. cause it's kind of hard to, to that's so all-consuming that. For sure. For much else. And I think after that's happened, I think I need to have a break from indoor competitions. I probably won't. I might still do a couple, but I think I need to go outside and do what I love and mm. project hard routes and travel and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> if I've got money left. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. So getting back to Tokyo 2020, we're yeah about 17 months out. Yeah. So what's the plan from here to there? Okay, so I'm going to continue competing this year and mm-hmm. as many international comps. So mm-hmm. I'm doing China and China Boulder mm-hmm. and then do some lead World Cups in Europe mm-hmm. and then come back, uh, continue training at home and then do some more lead World Cups, maybe China and Japan at the end of the year. It's just a lot of flying around this year. Yeah, super. super. But like I said before, it's like important to sort of choose the competitions mm-hmm. and then come back and do a stint of training, mm-hmm. I think, for me at the moment. And that way I can focus on all three at once. Yeah. And all three disciplines. Yep. And then I'll be in, able to do some Australian comps as well and come back for the Australian Nationals. Okay. I'm not actually sure when that's going to be either. So that might They haven't be announced that yet, no? Not yet. So okay. it might be after the World Cup season or between. So I have to keep that flexible. Okay. And then once that... And once I compete at Nationals, hopefully I qualify for the... Um, for the 
oceanic competition in mm. early 2020 and then once the top two will get uh from the top male and top female will then go to the olympics from there so the moment i'm just trying really hard to get better at speed climbing because yeah. i'm really bad yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> but and, how because what did you post at the last speeding climbing comp like 19 seconds or something yeah so that was okay. my first proper comp i think of speed climbing oh no yeah. no i did um oceana the last year okay um but yeah 18 19 was my last sort of record and i think the minimum time to qualify for the team is 15 seconds okay and uh i've been working on that time so i've been flying to melbourne and doing training here and in training i've got it down to 15.83 oh so super close really close but then i just did a competition on the weekend and I did terribly. I did like 18 seconds again. So. Do you have to get it? Does it have to, for it to be qualifying, does it have to happen in the competition? I'd say so, yeah. yeah. I think it will be a bit unusual this year because we won't have any, Queensland won't have their qualifying speed event. I don't think they'll even have one because we don't have a speed climbing wall. So yeah. it would have to be special consideration or I have to send in a letter. And so they'll base it off a number of different events or in training or ask the speed coach if I'm actually legit (laughs) doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I won't know until a little while. Yeah. So you're going to do a bit more speed training over this year? Yeah. I'm going to continue training speed and then hopefully get to a position where I can compete overseas in it and then... Hopefully that'll be by the end of the year in time for nationals. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. And so a few, when is Australian nationals will be towards the end of this year? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So kind of everything's working towards that one, all these international competitions in aid of, of that effort. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and then, and then the Oceania yeah, and, and then, then the Oceania. Olympics. Yeah, definitely. Okay. It's uh, quite a, uh, quite an effort to just get there right so yeah it is it's it's a huge commitment mm. to decide to that you want to go for this you can't mm. just go for the olympics half hearts yeah. it's like this this is what i want to do i have to give it a hundred percent otherwise it's a waste of time and money like mm. i i want to give this a hundred percent and if I don't make it, I don't make it. But I've had this huge journey along the way of, you know, giving it my all and mm. really discovering my boundaries and my limits. And I'm really excited for that and having that journey. And if I make it, then it's a whole nother journey after that. Like, I can't even imagine how good it's going to be. But yeah, and if I hadn't done that i would really regret it i think so that was my decision (laughs) so how do you see your future with climbing like beyond after this after 2020 um i definitely still want to do some competitions overseas and Mm. do some world cups here and there because i still want to make semi-finals and if that doesn't happen this year i would like to make that happen and maybe even a finals one day but um, I really want to focus some more on outdoor climbing. Mm. It's a real passion of mine, which I've had to let put aside for a little while now, mm. um, just because 
whenever I'm at home, it's summer and summer in Queensland is not ideal for climbing. (laughs) So yeah, I've kind of put it aside and, um, all my training has to really be indoors if I want it to be the most specific I can. Mm. And so, yeah, I'd like to come back to that and do some more projecting outdoors and Mm. yeah, project hard routes, travel and, be a climbing bum for a bit no i don't know <laughs> just do some enjoy study it. as well at some point yeah. yeah all those other things to do yeah. with life bit of balance yeah. yeah i've been doing comp climbing for a while now so i'd like to try some other things <laughs> That's it. Thanks to Lucy who patiently answered my questions and put up with some technical difficulties, i.e. 20 minutes of where I forgot to push the record button and she had to answer all the questions again for a second time. Sorry about that, Lucy. Since recording, Lucy's made it onto the 2019 Australian Sport Climbing Team for all three disciplines, lead, bouldering and speed. Congratulations, Lucy. That's another step towards her goal of making it to the Olympics. If you do want to follow her journey, uh, she has profiles on Instagram and Facebook uh, and you can head over there and follow her. I'll include some links on thelayback.com to help you find them. Now, wherever you're headed today, May that niggle in your finger just turn out to be a niggle. May you be shielded from any unwanted beta spray. And may the only problems in your life be boulders. For those of you still with us, it's that time of the year at the moment. We're headed into winter and conditions are getting better. But it is cold and flu season. I want to take us out with this little Australian cultural tidbit that's kind of in reference to uh, Lucy's performance in 2014 at the lead championships where she won with a head cold. I think we need to take her lead and just suck it up and soldier on. Cold. 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 And there's people depending on you. Soldier on. Soldier on. Soldier on. With cargo. Soldier on. Soldier on. Soldier on.